Hello, welcome to Things to Consider, presented by UCI's Women's Hub, also known as the Dub Hub. This is your host, Sydney Torres, director of the Women's Hub. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Let me share a word about the Dub Hub. The Women's Hub is an open space that is inclusive to all folks, but centers around women-specific conversations and issues. Check out our website at www.womenshub.uci.edu and keep up with us on social media. Like us on Facebook and follow us on the gram or Twitter at DubHubUCI. Before we get started, I wanted to make a quick note about an exciting update with things to consider. This fall quarter, the Dub Hub was fortunate enough to have a new addition to our staff with the program coordinator joining our team. Erica Cortez has graciously filled the role and has been hitting the ground running since starting this fall. As part of her programming, she'll be taking over the Things to Consider podcast. I have loved hosting this special project, especially for the short second season, and will miss this space dearly but I'm excited to literally pass on the mic to your new host. And with that, I will officially transition all hosting duties over to our new program coordinator, Erica Cortez. Thank you so much for the introduction, Sydney. As Sydney just shared with you all, I am Erica Cortez. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am the new program coordinator for the Women's Hub. I am taking over Things to Consider podcast. I am very excited to continue this legacy and excited to start the first episode with our very own director of the Dub Hub, Sydney Torres. Today we'll be having a conversation with Sydney Torres on many thoughts revolving around Prop 16. Thanks for joining us, Sydney. I would love for our listeners to get to know you a little better before we jump into our topic today. To start off, what has inspired you to work with identity centers, specifically women's spaces? Yes. So um, I started working in gender-specific programming when I was in graduate school. Um, I had taken um, one of the classes as part of my graduate program was on diversity and really did focus on identity. And during one of the classes, we focused on gender and we had a lot of readings related to it. And it really started to get me thinking about my own gender identity, um, how it intersects with my race um, and why I hadn't um, felt strongly about my identity as a woman prior. Um, so I had all these questions going on and, um, I had the opportunity to intern with, uh, the school's Women's Leadership Institute. And I thought it'd be really great if, you know, it was a topic that I was interested in from the readings and then I could do some more personal and, um, you know, professional exploration around the topic. And so I ended up getting the internship and it was definitely the most impactful 
impactful um, graduate experience that I had. Um, and from that, I ended up actually working at short term at a all women's university here in Los Angeles, Mount St. Mary's University. And that kind of really solidified why I wanted to go into um, identity spaces and women centered work. I saw, you know, the impact and the empowerment that can come from um, identity spaces and acknowledging the different experiences that different identities um, and different folks have and then how we can support them, right? And so it was definitely this coupling of my own self-reflection as a woman of color and coming into that identity and then how I wanted to also support students through their own, you know, kind of gender identity conversation, either on the short term, like the project that I did in that internship as a couple day institute or as a whole framework for a university like it was at Mount St. Mary's um, supporting focus support on women students um, although there's you know a variety of students that identify differently at Mount St. Mary's but um, those were kind of the experiences that solidified my work and when I started looking for jobs I started looking for them in identity specific spaces and cultural center spaces and I wasn't able to um, find a job right away in identity specific space but found ways and projects to keep that passion alive helping out the gender and sexuality center on my campus with uh, pro programs like Take Back the Night and um, their Women of Color conference and things like that. And then eventually being able to start working in a women's center space at my last job and now this job. So um, it's definitely been a journey getting here, but I am passionate about making sure our women's students have an equitable experience on campus, um, that they feel supported, that they feel like they have staff on campus that have their back. Um, and a campus's recognition that women have different experiences still. You know, we could have technically um, the majority of representation, whether that's 52% of students on campus or, you know, whatever it is at most institutions, um, and still have an unequitable experience to um, our male and men peers. So um, definitely... I appreciate the recognition and, you know, we often saw this trend that women's centers started to kind of fade away at some point once women's, like, demographic representation was rising, um, but it didn't mean that their experience was equitable or is equitable right now. Yes, I totally agree with what you said at the end in that we do need these spaces um, in universities, especially people uh, running these spaces need to look like, you know, the women that we have at these universities. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sharing your journey as well. I know specifically for undergraduate students, I know me as an undergrad, I thought that I should have known what I was going to do right after, you know, school, right yep. after graduation. And it's nice to know that, you know, your journey will take you somewhere else and then, you know, yeah. then another way, another route. Yep. And then finally, you know, somewhere where you actually love to be. Now we're going to transition into more of our Prop 16 conversation. 
but before we get into the topic of Prop 16, I do want to give a small background for those listeners who have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Proposition 16 is a constitutional amendment that would repeal Proposition 209, passed in 1996 from the California Constitution. Proposition 209 stated that discrimination and preferential treatment were prohibited in public employment, public education, and public contracting on account of a person's group's race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin. Therefore, Proposition 209 banned the use of affirmative action involving race-based or sex-based preferences in California. And so with that being said, Sydney, the first question today is, can you explain to us why Proposition 16 is beneficial to our community? And a sub-question, why is it important? So, um... I think Prop 16 is really relevant to our community. One, um, in the language, it includes gender. And so that means that Prop 16 would really restore um, programs in particular that could hire women and people of color and invest women in minority-owned businesses to really ensure that women and people of color have access to education and resources that they need to succeed. Um, With Prop 209, right, those programs were eliminated um, and were, you know, no longer allowed. And um, a lot of, you know, population suffered because of that. Um, not having the same opportunities, not having opportunities to speak specifically to their um, identity, right? And it almost goes back to the, you know, part of my introduction that um, a recognition that different identities, one, have different histories or her stories, um, and they that needs to be considered and their identity needs to be considered when thinking about how to serve them best, how to support their education best, um, how to support their success best. And that's what Proposition Proposition 16 really allows, right? It allows us to consider this identity um, and identities when creating services or practices or recruitments um, to hire a specific identity or population, right? Um, and so I think it greatly impacts us as women. Um, I think, oh, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself of answering the next questions we have, but <laughs> I think it'll definitely um, speak, especially to certain fields, um, mm-hmm. a lot more um, than some. But we definitely still have a ways to go um, in terms of having, you know, women in leadership positions in Mm -hmm. positions of um, power in um, different fields science technology engineering math Um, (laughs) you know there are so many more ways that women are particularly could be impacted by the passing of proposition 16 in a positive way thank you um our next question why might some folks be opposed to prop 16 yes so uh, there definitely are some folks that are opposed to um proposition 16 and i think some of it is a little bit of miseducation Mm -hmm. um but 
you know, in general, in the con, I guess, um, area of Prop 16 is Mm -hmm. that um, the viewpoint that this is a proposition where politicians want to strip our constitution of its prohibition on discrimination um, and that politicians want to play favorites. Um, Mm. And if there's anything that should be fundamental to our society, it's that the state should treat all, you know, Californians equally. And um, I definitely push back on that a bit because, right, there's this difference between equality and equity right and i think that you know currently we could be without proposition 16 um be treated treated equally but um we're not being treated equitably and we don't have equitable experiences and so that's really where prop 16 comes into play it's allowing us to consider identity it's allowing us to consider race it's allowing us to consider gender um when thinking about how to best serve certain populations and how best to support them in their success right whereas we're not allowed to do that right now um and so that's the biggest like con argument i think Mm -hmm. we do definitely see some um common myths about prop 16 Mm -hmm. and affirmative action in general um one of them being that a passing of prop 16 would allow universities to use racial quotas um, or even gender quotas um, against students and that's not true um, even if prop 16 passes um, college and universities can't and will not use racial quotas um, to fulfill their classes and achieve diversity um, the supreme court ruled that racial quotas are unconstitutional and so um, that still upholds and prop 16 wouldn't change that um, prop six or racial quotas actually have been um, outlawed by the uc regents in admission processes or in admission processes since 1978 so quite some time um so it wouldn't necessarily lead to racial quotas or identity quotas um i think another you know uh myth that I often hear about Prop 16 as well is that Prop 16 would put Asian American students or um, at a disadvantage than some other students and um, repealing Prop 209 with Prop 16 coming into place um, really would empower California's, you know, Asian American students, business owners, and families. Um, we have seen that in different states that do have affirmative action, those numbers actually don't change um, in a negative way. And so um, the representation necessarily, like it would be less or we would be losing spots to a certain identity is also kind of um, a little bit of a myth as well. Um, studies show that Asian American students and businesses are actually better off in states that have equal opportunity policies like affirmative action. And so that's definitely another one that I often hear about in the Prop 16 debate and conversation um, and in general about affirmative action. Mm. Thank you for that. I did mm-hmm. want to go back to uh something where you said about equity right for our listeners can you explain what equity versus equality is yes so um equality means that let's say 
you know, everyone has the same opportunity to pursue their, I don't know, let's say a job, right? Um, everyone was able to apply um, and they were, you know, they all could put in their application. And, you know, despite what the results are, each of the people, no matter what their identity, was able to apply. Equality would look at, you know, if something similar to affirmative action or um, other equal opportunity policies were in place, right? Um, People with different identities. So let's say someone that was um, identified as Latina and, um, you know, had... Um, came from a different high school, came from a certain area, um, would be able to access resources to equally have the same um, amount of experience in applying to that job as someone that maybe came from a wealthier area, that came from a better school or quote unquote better school, right? Um, Or had more, um, I don't know, had a better GPA um, because they had access to better teachers or more school funding or um, private tutoring, right? Um, (laughs) An equitable experience would be that, you know, recognizing that some identities, right, may need extra level or extra lenses to understand what support they need in order to access the same opportunity. So just because Mm -hmm. they can apply to the same job doesn't mean that the employer is going to pick them, right? Um, Because maybe all of the Latinx people that applied to that job come from a certain area and didn't have access to the same amount of resources as Mm -hmm. someone else, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really the difference of equality versus equity um there's often this picture that is shown when talking about equality and versus equity and it shows that um these three people are looking over a fence to watch a baseball game and um one's super short one's medium height and one's really tall and can see the entire baseball game right that's equality each had tickets to the baseball game each was able to have you know similar seating right they were all standing behind the fence but two of them couldn't see and one of them could see the game right and equity looks like the tall person able to see the game the medium-sized person on a medium-sized box also able to see the game and then the short person on a tall box also able to see the game um so it just really recognizes that our especially with the history of the united states right Mm -hmm. that some folks did not have access to the same amount of resources um over generations and that is going to impact their experience and it recognizes Mm -hmm. that yes i love that picture that you just drew for me you know in my head take me back a couple years Um, (laughs) yes that was literally the picture where I learned about what you know equity meant so the next question we've kind of touched upon this question a little bit um, but I do want to take us back to uh, last week where we had a town hall and um, we had this as an event with other collaborators, and in the town hall, we actually had assembly member Shirley Webber, 
Web, mm-hmm. Weber, sorry, um, <laughs> talk about the benefits of Prop 16, right? She was mentioning that it opened up opportunity to level the playing field and move society towards diversity, uh, that it gave us the tools to create a structure for new programs to combat racism and sexism in all these spaces. Can you think of anything that you can see in the future if this passed? Yes. So um, definitely one of the things that I did want to touch on is representation and um, access to the STEM fields, right? We see in elementary school a pretty even, you know, interest in going into STEM fields amongst children of different gender identities. And then by the time that they get to high school, even junior high level, um, but really high school and college, that interest drops, right? Um, And so the representation of women and people of color in STEM fields is pretty consistently low and has been. Um, And the numbers really haven't changed. And so um, something that I could see in the future if Prop 16 was passed is specific programs and resources um, that are able to consider race and gender when providing resources um, to either access or recruit into STEM fields, right? Because it's really like it's about getting students the support that they need that they believe they can be successful in this field in high school, right? And then taking it even further once they get to or once they're applying to college, that colleges can recruit, right, um, students from these different populations that have interests or that could be really successful once they get to college and in these STEM fields. And then once they are here, um, programs and services that can support them specifically through the lens of identity, right? Um, considering, you know, what their backgrounds are, um, how, you know, what communities they came from, what access to resources they had, and how can we make them most successful once they're here so that they are graduating equally or retained equally um, as to their um, peers and their counterparts with different identities. And so that's definitely a future that I can see um, with the passing of Prop 16. Thank you. That really spoke to me because uh, I know if this prop would have passed um, back when I was an undergrad, I probably would have been, or in high school, I probably mm-hmm. would have been one of those people to be uh, getting resources mm-hmm. and getting help and assistance. Um, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it is definitely a future that we want to see, especially for our women of color mm-hmm. um, in these fields that you know in our stem fields especially like you Mm -hmm. said yeah i mean as a women's hub right like we want to see success for all women and Mm -hmm. that's really what it comes down to right is that we want to be able to support women um and their full selves right because we're not just women we have all these other identities and Mm -hmm. we want to be able to consider them and support them in the ways that they need to be supported um in order for them to be successful and not only us right because like obviously we're an identity-based center um we focus on women specific issues um but we want to be able to support that those initiatives across campus so we want to be able to push for them we want to be able to advocate for them and we want to be able to share this is 
you know, some of the things that we see that are barriers for women accessing these certain majors or retaining in certain majors? And how can we make sure that these barriers um, are something that they either don't experience or how do we best support them in order to overcome those barriers? So our last question we have here today is why are you passionate about the importance of voting and about Prop 16? Yeah. So I know we touched a lot about on Prop 16, but if you want to touch more about like voting in general. Yeah. Um, you know, being part of an office at UCI, you know, one this episode will not air until after voting is already done. So I do want to make that disclaimer. Um, we are not producing this episode in a way that we're like trying to sway people to vote yes or no. We're just trying to make sure that the conversation is continued, um, whether Prop 16 passes or not, about how um, different folks from different identities can be um, can have equitable experiences. So I do want to make that disclaimer, but, um, I am really passionate about voting. I think that voting is something that one, not everyone has access or the privilege to, um, and that many, uh, generations have fought to have access to, Um, And so really taking the time to be informed, which it's not easy. And I want to recognize that it's like really hard to keep on top of things and continuously Mm -hmm. vote is actually another thing as well, because, you know, presidential um, elections often have the biggest voter turnout, but Mm -hmm. voting in elections that don't have a primary or a presidential election, there's a lot of them. Um, And so you know, taking the time to know what you're voting on, what you're passionate about, um, and how you can use your voting privilege um, to support the initiatives that you think are important, I think is definitely something that should be emphasized as, you know, something we should do, especially in the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, older voters are overrepresented in the polls, and younger ones um, tend to not be turning out as much as um, they could. And so, really taking the responsibility as a young person, saying that I have a vote, um, if I have a vote, right? How can I? impact my community in the ways that I wanted to see it impacted. And there's so many different ways, right? There's propositions to be voted on. There's different measures to be voted on. There's local elections, um, neighborhood councils, so many different types of things that are often included in um, the ballot that, you know, often get overshadowed sometimes by larger, um, you know, things like the primaries or presidential elections but there's a lot more to voting than just that and so i am passionate about that because i want to see our communities represented i want to see their voices heard um and i want to see candidates and policies and measures and propositions that reflect me and my communities and the communities that i support and so it's definitely one of the reasons why i'm passionate about voting in general all right. Well, um, thank you so much for coming to talk to us virtually, of course, uh, today yes. about Prop 16. <laughs> These conversations 
are needed. And I appreciate you having the time and energy energy to talk to us about them. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on to our last segment, how can folks learn more about Prop 16 and its benefits? Yes. Well, like I mentioned, this episode is going to be airing after the election. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really encourage folks to stay on top of checking results through, um, you know, California and as they post um, different election results, because it'll often take time. Ballot measures, especially ballot measures that might mm-hmm. be um, a close race, often take um, a significant amount of time to be determined. And so one, stay informed in that sense of whether Prop 16 passes or whether it doesn't. Um, and then, you know, as folks get informed about Prop 16 and others, I know this is airing after the elections, but Um, You know, your voter guide is a really good resource, despite sometimes it being a bit confusing. Um, And it is also available through voter online. So, you know, if you happen to one election, not get a voter guide in the mail or it gets lost, you can always look up your voter guide online um, and know, you know, kind of neutral information about each of the propositions and some somewhat plain language um and then the more plain language of yes and no arguments and pros and cons of each side so um definitely recommend your voter guide as a good source of information um but last you know as folks start to get more politically engaged um civically engaged um you know find what you're passionate about whether that is environmental impact or climate change or racial justice um there's likely a group for you to spend some time with volunteer time and oftentimes those groups um will put out voter guides and so that sometimes can be a little bit of a cheat sheet of i know my views align with this organization and this organization put out a voter guide so that can be a quick reference that then you can you know um, do a little bit more research on of whether that voter guide aligns with your views or not but it's a good place to start thank you yes and i mean i also for the future um voting and elections just remember to, I mean, you can find information about props like these in the future in these locations that Sydney mentioned as well. Yes, definitely don't listen to commercials. <laughs> yes, they just confuse you. They are way too confusing. Way too confusing. <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we go, I do want to jump into our next segment. Uh It is in need of joy. If you all may remember, we started this segment last season with Sydney Torres as the host. And so this time you are flipped around on the other side. Yep. (laughs) And so this segment to remind you all is sharing a moment that made you laugh, smile and experience joy throughout the week. So it can be anything from videos or, you know, food that you ate, anything that you want. And so today, Sydney, would you like to share your in need of joy moment? Yes. So um, my in need of joy moment this week was actually yesterday. 
Um, I am a huge baseball fan. Um, I love sports in general, but baseball definitely has a sweet spot for me. And I live here in Los Angeles and am definitely a Dodgers fan. And we won the World Series. And, you know, in this pandemic, one this In Need of Joy segment was created for this reason. Because in the pandemic, we hear a lot of news that is just, you know, it can be really a downer. Um, <laughs> and I think sometimes we just need to hold on to these moments. And so yesterday I was watching the game. Um, and when we won, I took a moment and I cried a little. I was like, dang, like this is like such a happy moment. And like I crying over sports is a little bit, I get it. It's a little, it seems a little dramatic, but I was like, this gives me so much joy right now. And it's filled my joy today. And even mm-hmm. last night, I don't know if folks are, you know, in local to Los Angeles, they probably know this, but Northeast LA in particular is like firework season all year round, but especially when the Dodgers win so i opened up all the blinds in my apartment and had three fireworks shows going on at once um and it was a huge huge joy for me in order to have you know some good happy news and celebration and definitely a week that was becoming a bit overwhelming so Mm -hmm. go dodgers go blue Yay. How did I know that you were going to say that as your joy? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was thinking for a second and I was like, nah, this is an easy one. <laughs> yes. Um, I do also want to say that is my joy moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dodgers have been in my family since, you know, a long time ago, um, yep. even with my grandparents. And so I definitely think that last night was a moment of joy. Like mm-hmm. it literally, like you said, like brought me actual joy. Yeah. Right? Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. And I also agree with the the fireworks, you know, they mm-hmm. were everywhere, even yes. in the Inland Empire. They were everywhere. I know. I seriously, outside of my bedroom window in particular, mm-hmm. like they were feet away. I was having a personal fireworks show <laughs> from the neighbors. So <laughs> definitely gave me lots of joy. Well, thank you again, Cindy, for being here with us today. Yes, of course. You know, I had a great time. I'm excited to pass on the mic literally to you and can't wait to see where Things to Consider podcast goes. We want to hear from you. What are things that are bringing you, our listeners, joy this week? Check out the link in our show notes to leave us a voicemail. Maybe you'll hear your joy-filled moment in our next episode. And with that, I am Erica Cortez, your new host for Things to Consider. We will be back next week for more deeper conversations.